We are uh, looking at life groups uh, again this morning. We are in the second of a three-part series. And uh, the, the sermon series title is Connecting. And, you know, God wants us to be connected to each other. Uh, this, was, um, this was the model in the first century uh, church. Uh, Jesus told his disciples that we are to go and make disciples. And uh, disciple-making is to take place in the life group ministry, in the life group setting. This is where people learn to worship. This is where people learn to pray together. They fellowship with one or sharing life with each other. They're studying uh, the word and they're serving. We looked at the five purposes of a life group last, that last Sunday. And this is what was taking place in Acts chapter 2. And God created the church. God made Jesus the head of the church. And it's in the church that he wants his children to connect with each other, to share life together, to be there for each other. And it is impossible to live out all five of those purposes if all you're doing is coming to a worship service. You don't get to learn other people's names. You don't get to share prayer requests uh, with other people here in this this service. You don't have an opportunity to uh, ask questions about the the scripture passage in this service. We're all in rows. And there's a reason for us coming together corporately in worship. That was taking place too. The people of God were coming to the temple to worship. But then throughout the week... They were meeting from house to house, uh, living out these five purposes. And, and those purposes are lived out in the small group. Uh, we're in rows this morning. You can't live out those five purposes in rows. But you can in circles. And so circles are better than rows. Because God wants you and I to connect with each other. Now, as we look at uh, the New Testament and we see the word church, the word church in uh, the Greek is the word ekklesia. And ekklesia means uh, the called out. We have been uh, called out to belong to each other. You know, the church isn't a place that you go to. The church isn't um, an event to attend. It's not a building. The church are the called out ones. That's you and I. The church are the people. And God wants us to be connected. He wants us to belong to one another. He wants us to be in relationship with each other. And so last week we were in Acts chapter 2. This week um, I want to talk about the metaphors describing uh, the New Testament church. Uh, the, we'll find five metaphors in the New Testament that describe the church. And as we look at those metaphors, as we think about those metaphors, what what's the benefit? Uh, why does God describe these, uh, the church, in, in the, with these five different words? And what is the... What is the benefit? What can we glean from 
these metastores? What are we meant to glean? And so the first metaphor I want to look at is the word uh, family that describes the church. You'll look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. I believe it's in your outline this morning. But the writer of Hebrews says this, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom, through, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Talking about Jesus. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. God is our Father. Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus is our spiritual brother. And if your life is in Christ, you are a brother or sister of Jesus Christ. And God is our Father. And God wants us in this family. So we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to be a family to each other. God wants us to be a part of a family. And if you're a Christian here today and you're not part of a church family, guess what? You are a spiritual orphan this morning. God wants you to be connected. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. The Bible says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Ephesians two nineteen says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. This New Testament church in the book of Acts was comprised of both uh, uh, Jews who had come from other places, other regions, other cultures, and now we're here in Jerusalem. Um, some of them may have been Gentiles as the gospel continued to spread throughout uh, Asia. Uh, we see both Jews and Gentiles in the church together, in small group together. God has brought down those barriers, those those differences. People who couldn't stand spending time with each other, he's brought them together as one in Jesus Christ. They are all adopted into his family. Family is really important to God. Family is important in our home. You know, family was was important to Susan and I growing up. We were, I like to say that uh, in, in my home, in my family in Fresno, we were all really dysfunctionally close. You know, we did everything together. We really didn't, we went to church, we even went to church together. We sat on the same pew together. Um, but we did everything together as a family. I, I can't recall doing a whole lot outside my earthly family other than when I got to be a teenager and got involved in the youth group. Um, And then church life took on something uh, 
more meaningful to me. I had an extended family. But but growing up, uh, yeah, we did everything together. Susan did everything together in uh, her family. Her family wasn't as dysfunctional as my family. But uh, serious. <laughs> but, uh, but family was really important. But when Susan and I got married, we moved two and three hundred miles away from family who were in Fresno and Manteca. And that's one of the best things that could have happened for our marriage. But uh, we learned who our spiritual family was and the church that we were serving. And uh, our best friends, uh, our kids' best friends uh, were in the church. I never spent the night at someone else's house my age growing up. But uh, when we had children and we had, had connections in the church, my kids were always spending the, the, the night at their house or their kids were spending the night at our house. It was just, it was unique, something I hadn't experienced before. But God wants us to be a family here at Emmanuel Baptist. And we can't do that in a corporate setting. But you can learn and acquire those kinds of relationships in small group. And God wants us to be connected to each other. God wants us to have a place where we belong. There's always a chair at the table for my kids when they come home to visit. And you need to sense in this church that there is a chair in a home of a family that you're connected to, that you belong with a smaller group of people. I'm watching Kyle as he is uh, getting involved. He's a deacon in an Anglican church right now. And um, when he had moved to Alabama, obviously, um, Susan and I are concerned about him, that he's connecting with, with other people, particularly around the holiday. We don't want him to be alone on, at holiday time. But um, how comforting it was when we knew that he had a small group. He had an extended spiritual family in Alabama uh, who he could socialize with, study the word together, and he was well connected. But since he's moved to uh, San Jose and has gotten involved in this small church in, in San Jose, he hasn't found the same connections. They don't have, they don't have life groups, small groups in their, their church. And, and uh, as a deacon of, of that church, he feels very disconnected. That's not what God intends for the local church. We are to be gatherers. We need to have our antennas up, church. Who in our church family, who in our, um, our large group gathering is discon- really disconnected? I mean, you can come here and still not feel like you belong. God wants all of God's children 
to belong, to be connected. This family is critical to the Christian life. He doesn't want you to be alone. And this family is going to far outlast your earthly family because we are going to be spending all of eternity together. And so it's important that we get to know each other now. So that's the first metaphor. Family. We need a place to belong. And if you are well connected, you belong. When there's when life throws you a curveball, you don't have to go through it alone. You know who you can call on. And it's your spiritual family. The second metaphor we see in the New Testament is the word temple. Temple. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. Paul says, In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. As you see uh, the word temple throughout the Bible, it's really uh, significant because it manifests the presence of God. You know, the temple can be described in the Garden of Eden. That's where God's presence was. And that's where Adam and Eve fellowship with God before the fall. You'll move on in the Old Testament and you'll see uh, the Israelites constructing the tabernacle. Again, it was the tabernacle. It was a temporary temple, but it was where God manifested his presence. And then we see the temple in Jerusalem. And then we move on to the New Testament, and there is no temple. The temple has been destroyed, but Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus says, I am the temple. Tear this temple down, Jesus says, and three days later, I will build it up again. I will build it again. And as Jesus is resurrected, he sends to the Father, we learn that the people are the temple of God here in this passage of Scripture. And individuals within the people of God are the holy temple of God. We are to manifest God's presence. And as we're connected, as we're family, you know what? You are a picture of God's presence in that life group. God wants us to be built up together. Because when things are built right, when the storm comes and it crashes against the foundation or the wall, when, when the building is put together, pieced together properly, it will withstand the storms of life. We are the temple of God. God doesn't want you to be disconnected. You know, look at Legos. You know, Legos are meant to be connected. 
I mean, when you connect Legos together, you can build some pretty incredible things. But when they're disconnected, do they serve any purpose other than killing your foot when you step on them when you're walking across the floor? I am so glad we don't have Legos in our our house anymore. But Legos are meant to be connected. It brings stability to our life. And so that's the second metaphor, temple. The third metaphor is body. Body. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Paul says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, And each member belongs to all the others. We're all different in this room. I don't have to tell you something that you don't already know. But you are unique. And you have certain gifts that God wants you to contribute to the benefit of the body. And in order for us to be a functional body that accomplishes things, that ministers, that glorifies God, we need to be connected to each other. Because if we're disconnected, guess what? The body is incomplete. We all have roles to fulfill. We belong to each other. It's not just believing. It's belonging. Do you know that you belong to others here in this room? You know, in our American culture, we pride ourselves in what we can do on our own. You know, we're just we're just a uh, We're self-made people. But that's not what God intends in the body of Christ. God wants us to depend on each other, serving each other. You can't fulfill God's purposes for your life disconnected from others. What if you were walking across... Um, a parking lot. Suppose you're going to your car after church and you saw an ear on the ground. What would be your reaction? You know, it doesn't belong there for one thing and there is a serious issue going on. And you're probably going to hurry to your car. You're probably going to call 911. Why are we going to have that reaction? Because that ear by itself doesn't belong there. It is to be attached to a body. And we've got a serious problem. And yet that's what's happening, Christian. If you just come to church and you're into this Christian routine and and... And you're just alone. God doesn't want you to be alone. He wants you, He's given you a specific body part. And 
the rest of the body needs you. And we learn. We learn what our spiritual gift is by serving, by being involved in the life of the church, by being involved in our life group. And so that's the third metaphor, body. So we've seen body, temple, and uh, family. The fourth metaphor that we see in the New Testament is the word flock. Look at Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. And we are his. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. In the New Testament, Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. And we are the sheep. And we are to hear God's voice. He gives us the ability to hear God's voice. When God calls you a sheep... That's not a compliment. I don't know if you've ever raised sheep or been around sheep, but sheep are not the brightest animal in the barn. Sheep are really um, vulnerable. They're defenseless. If the if a if a sheep was left alone in the in the desert, guess what? The coyotes would get it really quickly. A sheep doesn't run very fast. A sheep doesn't know how to defend itself. A sheep will follow other sheep, and if they're walking off a cliff, they'll all go off the cliff together. God calls us sheep. God calls us. God has placed us in his pasture. And God has point, an appointed a shepherd over you and I. The high shepherd, the shepherd, is Jesus Christ of this church. But then he's also appointed um, pastors over the church who are described as shepherds who are to care for God's flock. And, and that's my responsibility. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. It says, Take care of God's flock, His people, that you are responsible for. Watch over them because you want to, not because you are forced to do it. That's my role as your pastor. I can't do this by myself. Nathan and I, Karen and I, Adele and I, we have ministries that we oversee. But these individuals, we can't do this by ourselves. But And I try. And I want to be there. And if you are in the hospital, I'm going to do my best. If I'm aware of it, I'm going to do my best to be there to see you. We have deacons who are there to, to visit you. In the hospital, if you have a physical need, um, we're there to, to help. But not only has God appointed a shepherd over your spiritual life, me involved in a local church, but the life group is to be there as well as you have needs. And sometimes you'll have a need and they're going to be there for you. 
And some other person will have a need and you can be there for them. And maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, Pastor, I don't need a life group. I've got this thing licked. I can do it all by myself. You may not need a life group right now. Someday you will. And even if you don't have a life group right now, guess what? Somebody needs you. You can have the opportunity to minister to somebody else. You're a body part. Someone needs your gift. So the life group is there to, to help meet the needs of the sheep. Look at Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. It says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's in the life group that you get to learn the burdens of others. If 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 there's vulnerability in the life group. And the group is there to carry one another's burdens. In your life group study this week, you're going to be studying Galatians chapter 6. And learning what the responsibility is of life group members. How do you know if you have a healthy life group? There's five habits that we need to be aware of. The first habit is care. That group members are caring for one another, encouraging one another, leaning on each other, uh, not walking out the door when there's a need, but walking towards the person. Is there genuine care taking place in your life group? These are, these are five habits that need to be a part of our group all the time. And so when you come together this week, I'd like for you to talk about these five habits and evaluate how well are you doing in those areas. The second habit we see is safety. Safety. Can you be yourself in your life group, or do you have to put on a mask? Do you have to pretend like it? you've got it all together? Life group ought to be a place where you can be real, where you can be vulnerable and you can still be loved and accepted. Life group ought to be a place where you can share and not be rejected. A safe place. Use your life group a safe place. The third habit of a life group is authenticity. That's kind of related to safety, but uh, life group leaders, authenticity begins with the leader. If the life group leader is willing to be vulnerable and transparent, it's going to encourage others to be authentic. Is your life group authentic? The fourth habit, D, is help. 
is your life group helpful? You know, we are, we are commanded to love each other, to pray for each other, to encourage each other, to admonish each other, to greet each other, to bear with each other. When there are needs, when there are hardships, does your life group come alongside you? My question to you is, who are you doing these things to others with? And who are, who, who are the other people in your life who are helping do these things for you? Again, God has called the church to be connected to one another. God has put us together. God has called us together to be there for each other. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, He has put us together. Ephesians chapter 2, He has joined us together. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22, He has built us together. Ephesians 3 6, we are members together. Ephesians 4 16, we are filled together. Colossians chapter 2 verse 19, we are held together. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 17, praise God, we are going to be caught up together. We are in this together. We can't be together corporately. Does God want us to come together corporately? Yes. Our joy is made full in Him as we praise Him collectively. But it's in the small groups that we get to know each other's names that we pray for each other, that we study the word, that we serve, that we fellowship together. Before we go on, I, I want to bring up uh, a couple who uh, is involved in a life group. And they didn't know that they were going to be doing this before this morning when they arrived at church. But uh, I want to invite uh, Ron and Linda Page up this morning because uh, they're involved in a life group. And uh, I just want to kind of interview them this morning and uh, hear what they have to share about their life group experience. And hopefully it's a positive life group experience. Would you please welcome Ron and Linda. Come on over here in the light some more because uh, the video venue needs to see you guys. Uh, tell us, what life group are you a part of right now? Um, John and Eunice Gilliland. I'm not sure what we call it. It's just John and Eunice's. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. And how long have you guys been a part of this life group? Oh, many, many years. I don't Ten know. Plus that... Ten, Ten plus years. Ten plus years. Okay. So, yeah, you've probably uh, experienced a lot of life things uh, together. Um, Describe your um, emotions. What was it like when you first joined the life group? What was going through your mind? Can you remember that far back, Ron? No, sir. <laughs> Try. <laughs> Qualifies a senior for senior discounts now. <laughs> um, I didn't really know any of them that well. I knew John and uh, Eunice, and they uh, Eunice invited us. So it was, you know, like going to a new classroom. You know, so. But we were welcomed. Uh, everybody there was friendly and, and uh, excited that we were willing to join them. 
Yeah. Okay. Anything you want to add to that, Linda? It was very, it was very scary at first. Yeah. You know, going in, not really knowing people. But right. So, were did you open up right away? Was there anything gut wrenching happening in your life that you felt free to share immediately? No, I'm very bashful. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just took a while to get comfortable with them. Um, you know, with the whole group. But yeah. Eventually, we did. Okay. So what has been your experience with this life group? How, what, how, how has the life group um, blessed your lives? They have become, they welcome us uh, like new members of a family. Um, we share, you know, as a group, we share things that are going on in our lives, and we pray for each other. And uh, it just knowing that uh, it was very comforting to be uh, felt wanted, uh, needed, and uh, part of a family member. Because we have no family here in mm-hmm. Ridgecrest, so okay. they're the closest that we have to right. family. Okay. Linda, you want to add anything it's, to that? John and Eunice have become more like mom and dad to me. Yeah, they're about that age where they can be your parents. <laughs> I mean, they have. And Thanks, Pops. <laughs> and, as a matter of fact, my mom... My mother, when she's here, she calls Eunice my Ridgecrest mother, mm. and she knows that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, put you on the spot a little bit. Has there ever been a time in your um, marriage, your family, where you really needed the life group, that uh, your life group was there when you were going through a hard time? Yeah, we have two kids, and they were teenagers at one time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and John and Eunice knew both of them. And uh, Marcus worked with John, and when he was going, you know, this way and that way, I talked with John, and he was very encouraging yeah. for me. Okay. It's it's very encouraging to know that whatever you say in your life group stays in your life group. That's very important. It doesn't yeah. go anywhere else. Right. And you know that you've got people praying for you. That's part. That's part of the safety. You know that what's shared here stays here. Yeah. It's uh, that. Thank you for sharing that because that's very important. Anything you want to add that uh, I haven't asked about Life Group that uh, would encourage those to participate? I think it's just a very comforting or comfortable uh, environment to meet with people. They're very encouraging. Um, we can talk about our kids, other family members that are, uh, you know, just need prayer for. If we need anything, they're there for us, and as well as we're there for them to help them. So All right. it's just nice to know that we have somebody that we can count on. Yeah. Anything else, Linda? No. <laughs> All right. Well, will you show your appreciation to Ron and Linda? Thank you guys for sharing. God does not want us to be spiritual hermits. Again, you may not need others right now, but others need you. God wants you to be a blessing in somebody else's life. God wants us to be connected to each other. And so there we see the, and then the, the fifth, the fifth the habit I think I've mentioned help already. The fifth habit when it comes to a healthy um, life group is growth. 
is growth. We are to spur one another to love and good deeds, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. We are to push one another, encourage one another, um, serve one another, do good deeds. When we don't have those relationships, it's hard for you to spur one another person on to good deeds or it's hard for that person to spur you on to good deeds but if we have healthy relationships if we're well connected there's love there's safety there's encouragement in our in our life group growth is going to happen we're going to bring out the best in each other rather than the worst so look at those five habits as a life group. Where are you doing well? Where do you need to do better in? So that all might be encouraged. And then the last metaphor for, um, for the church is the word garden. We are God's garden. Look at John chapter 15 verses 4 and 5. A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful apart from me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to be connected to Jesus Christ. And when you look at a grapevine, the grapevine just doesn't consist of one branch there's many branches connected to the vine and god wants us to be connected to each other and in there is life that is there's life that is flowing through those vines and where is that life going to it's going to the grapes and fruit is being produced God wants life flowing through each of us so that we might give life to others, that we might be a blessing, that we might be an encouragement. So how are you doing, Christian? The Christian life is more than just showing up to a building. The building is not the church. The people are the church. And God wants us to be, be connected to each other so that we can be a family. This church family is important to Susan and I. A church family is important to, to Susan, the, the, for, for my kids to get involved in a church family where they can be connected because they're separated from us. And that's one of the things that, uh, Trevor and Mary did, uh, immediately when they moved to South Bend. They found a local church and they're in a life group. And that's so encouraging to Susan and I that we know that they're just not alone and disconnected on the weekends. No, they're involved. And there are people who are blessing them and they have the opportunity to bless others. 
Some of you have your family here in town. And that's really important. But that family is not always going to be there. Life changes. Things never stay the same. Only God stays the same. When we get to heaven, it'll never change. It'll be glorious for all eternity. But life is never going to... You're not going to always have your earthly family to depend on. And you need a spiritual family. This is God's will for our lives. We are His body. We are his temple. We are his flock. We are his garden. Are you connected? Let's pray. God, I know that there are, for some of us here in this room, That's a hard pill to swallow. We don't want others to know our stuff. And we just want to grin and bear it and get through it alone. But God, you don't want us to be alone. You don't want us to be spiritual hermits. You've put us in the church. And Father, for some of us here in this room this morning, we haven't taken your church seriously. We can take it and we can leave it. But God, you don't want us that to be the attitude of our hearts. And it's hard. It's hard to get connected to a church that's not perfect. God, none of us are perfect and And we all need each other. And we need you first and foremost. Help us to get beyond ourselves and our own personal preferences and what we're comfortable with. God, help us to connect with your people. God speaking to your heart this morning, friend. You haven't taken church seriously. God wants you to. God is so serious about the church that He sent His Son to die for the church. God wants you to be involved. 
will you follow? Will you follow him? And listen to the good shepherd who knows what's best for your life. As hard as that might be, God knows what's best. Will you trust him? Father, thank you for your word this morning. And these metaphors, I pray that these metaphors would become truth in our lives. That God, we would be connected to you and to each other. And glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.